Support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lau Brew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Lau Brew Verdant IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandbrewing.com. Last year's release of Prize Old Ale was a real highlight for many fans of excellent beer. But the journey of this storied beverage, that classic, fruity, strong, dark ale, goes back somewhat further. Originally a recipe from George Gales & Co, a great deal of interest was generated by this latest version of Prize Old Ale, which was brewed at Darkstar by head brewer Henry Kirk. According to John Keeling, the former brewing director at Fuller's and a previous colleague of his, Henry made a version of great character and personality, much like himself. For those that don't know, Henry is a celebrated brewer. Previously the head brewer at Darkstar, he has also worked in a variety of breweries including Fuller's over the past 12 years. He is also passionate about old British styles and cask beer. In this podcast, he recounts the rich history of this revered beverage and also his role in ensuring its story was kept alive. And thanks to Henry, you can refer to his presentation, which is linked in the show notes. And also there, you can read John Keeling's recent article on the story of Prize Old Ale in his own words. Okay. Uh, right. Hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, right. Uh, when I um, gave this talk in Amsterdam two weeks ago, it went on for an hour and a half. So I'm hoping that I'm going to get that same level of enthusiasm from all of you. Lots of questions. Um, yes. Uh, so this is, this is about, I suppose this is about uh, how I, with lots of other people, I did not do this alone, um, brought back this beer called Prize Old Ale, which was formerly from George Gales. I'm hoping you can see all this. Um, so yeah, so rather than a history of old ales in general, this is about this particular one, Prize Old Ale, as it was brewed in uh, uh, Gales. Right, okay. So yeah, I'm, and here it is. So this is, this is the, like all stories, all stories begin with romance. Okay, oh, sorry. Think control. Um, I love Victorian Tower breweries, and look and look at this thing. I mean, it's it's beautiful. You've got all that sort of leather and brass and copper and all that and stuff like uh, you know Valentines and all and underbacks and all this sort of uh, equipment in there. You know, there's no none of you know all this incredibly efficient, beautiful stuff. It's all just weird and historical and interesting. So that's I've always been interested in these old styles, but imagine. Uh, my delight 
when I discovered that Prize Old Ale was at Fuller's when I joined Fuller's in 2014. So what is Prize Old Ale? So Prize Old Ale um, was first brewed in the 1920s. Um, a Yorkshireman, a Yorkshireman brewer, came down to Gales um, and he brought to be head brewer at Gales Brewery. I'm sorry for the massive amounts of type. Um, and he brought with him a recipe for a Yorkshire Stingo. So I see Sir Tim O'Rourke is over here, so he'll probably correct me. But a, a type of beer called a Stingo is a real sort of catch-all term for a type of beer that was really strong, heavily hopped and aged in wood for a long time. So those are sort of guiding principles. But those beers could be using all sorts of different ingredients. They were usually brewed by you know, the guys in the big houses, in the manors, and things like that. They would brew, they'd have these bigger states, I'm talking 16th, 17th, 18th century, and they would kind of have competitions about who could brew the strongest one. You know, so they'd, they'd usually brew these beers in March, um, and then age them you know, at least until October, or possibly young, uh, 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 older. I mean, some of these guys, when you know, the heir to the estate was born, they would brew a beer and they would make it insanely strong, and then they would age it for 18 years. So this is, this is the legacy, this is the history of this Yorkshire Stingo beer. Um, so again, at, at Gales, what was so uh, wonderful was that the only time they used the copper, which they had at the top of that brew, of that tower I just showed you, was to make prize old ale. And they would brew it for three hours. And, uh, sorry, boil it for three hours. And so, of course, it was like um, a colleague of mine, Anthony Smith, was at Gales and moved to Fuller's, so this is how I know the story. But it was like something out of The Exorcist, all the work, well not all of, all of it luckily, but lots of work would just come out of all the various holes that worn into the copper and sort of land on people's heads and all this sort of stuff. And you're like, wow, okay. Um, and then, and then how, how they used to do it was they would then cool it, uh, normally, um, and then it would be fermented in copper-lined wooden washbacks. So the copper is interesting. Was that, was that to aid fermentation or was that just to sort of help them um, uh, that's just what they had to hand that's how they did it back in, back in the days and those wooden washbacks were very old they were, they were seriously dilapidated shall we say and then once it had been in there for two weeks they would then um, oh, and also importantly they would have to aerate this beer a lot using their yeast to sort of get it going so it, the gravity would sort of be like 92 or something and then they would get it down to about 20, 21 something like that um, so uh, one, once, so, so once it had been fermenting for two weeks, they would then transfer it directly into oak barrels, un, un, unlined, there was no pitch in the barrels, and matured for a year, and that's when it was in the 275 mil cork bottles, if any of you saw that. Have any of you seen those? No? Great, I've got a photo. That's what it used to look like. Look, the two ones in the middle there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, look at, look, at, look at this branding. I love that font. Um, so, uh, so here's, here's a Price Old Ale recipe from 1989. Um, so as you can see there, it's 9%. It's this was written by um, Moira from Holchem, if you know her. Yeah, the legendary lady. So that was wonderful to be able to show her this book. Like that's, she was like, that's my handwriting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty simple recipe. You've got two, two pale ale malts. Um, black malt, torrefied wheat, glucose, Goldings and Fuggles, and, and Gale's yeast. So that's, that's sort of how they, how they did it. Um, and then, yeah, so Sam Smith still does a Yorkshire Stingo sort of beer, if ever you're uh, wanting to try, to try it. And they do a, do a similar thing where they age it 
in 12 months. Um, I think when, when I gave this talk, it was at Brettfest or Carnival Brettanomyces in Amsterdam. So they were desperate to talk to me about Brettanomyces in this beer. And that's why I included this bit, because basically Gales, like a lot of family breweries, had infection control problems. Um, so, you know, it's not like Orval where they were dosing it in um, at the time, you know, and, and you know, the Brettanomyces just before packaging. They, they, they had lots of opportunities for bugs to sort of come in. And then during the aging process in wood, you know, so things, things would happen. Things would happen. Um, and, I mean, obviously they had the 9% ABV and a low pH, so that kind of helped control some of the stuff. But unfortunately, towards the end of the Gales family ownership, the quality of the bottles um, and the releases did become quite variable. Although the ones I always had in Fuller's, because there was a room that was full of these little ones, the ones we opened were always great, um, you know, after lunch. Um, so, yes, so, uh, so Gales started in 1847. There's something about the 1840s where loads of family breweries started up. Fuller's, 1845. Uh, Holtz, 1849. Uh, those are the two I can remember, thankfully. Um, and, yeah, so it was sold in 2005, and Fuller's bought Gales for their, uh, their base in Hampshire, I should say, if I haven't said that already. Um, they, they bought it for the pubs, so they weren't interested, really, in, in the brewery. Um, and, in fact, loads of stuff just got chucked in the skip. So that brew house page I just showed you, um, that brewing book is the only one that actually survived, which I think is a bit sad. But when, when they bought it, they had already, once they actually shut Gale's Brewery, they, uh, they were brewing at Fuller's for six months before they, um, before they actually told anyone what they were doing, that they were brewing the Gale's beers. Um, and then the sort of question became what to do with prize old ale. So luckily John Keeling was head brewer at that time, and uh, he decided that prize old ale, all the prize old ale that were in these barrels had to be tankered into, um, uh, back to Chiswick, had to, be, had to be saved. You couldn't just put it in the drain. Um, and uh, the decision was made, the interesting decision was made to brew um, prize old ale, that recipe, as part of a party guile, um, and then blend in the original stuff, and then mature it in stainless steel. So that's what kind of helped um, that, that's, that's how they did it, a sort of Solera method, you might say. Um, and that did something really interesting, I think, which basically sort of helped, as I've got a little uh, quote there, it, just like Madeira production, it kind of really helps, the old stuff really helps uh, give weight to lighter vintages, and new vintages let, lent vigour and fruit to the old. Um, and I think that's really what, what happened, and they released it in, uh, to great acclaim, oh, they released it to uh, great acclaim critically, but the sales just weren't there. So people really loved what they were doing with the prize old ale, just no one really sort of wanted it that much. And so at that point, um, they, they released two versions of it. And in 2011, so this is real current stuff I'm talking to you about, there was just like 40 hectolitres just lying unloved and rotting in the tank room at Fuller's uh, until me, there we go, cosplaying my dream job. Look at that. If only my wife would let me be a pub landlord, everything would be okay. There's the, there's the little uh, Dark Star Gales pump clip, which we'll see in a bit. Um, so yeah, so I, yeah, we, don't, we don't need to go through all of this, but um, I think it was, it, was just, it was just interesting to see 
that there was this incredible beer just lying there in the tank room, just unloved and neglected. And by this, by the time I arrived, which was 2014, it had been in, in tank undisturbed pretty much for, for three years. And so it really sort of tasted a bit like Rodenback Grand Cru or something like that. You know, it had lots of almost cognac-y notes, fruitiness, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I just thought, this is, this is such a, like, a Cinderella in the cellar sort of thing. You know, it's a kind of, it's a tragedy that this beer isn't, isn't out there. Um, and as, as Brett Ellis is here, I can, I can talk to him about this. I met him and he knew all about Price Old Ale and we hatched a plan which we never unfortunately got to, uh, got to work on where we would brew the wort and ferment it at Fuller's and then tanker it to Bristol and then they would have aged it in all these various, that's right isn't it? Maybe we'll do it again, I don't know. Um, but then uh, James Kemp, who's now head brewer at Marble, uh, we, we did a little version of that where a thousand litres was made with 50 litre kegs of the original poured in, and then they barrel aged it in all these various different barrels, and it was incredible. I don't know if any of you guys tried it, but it was, it was good. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then basically, so there was that little release, um, and then uh, I left Fuller's and joined Darkstar, which had been bought by Fuller's, and um, Basically, I heard, heard uh, tell that in 2019, they were going to chuck away the prize old ale that they had, that 4,000 litres, they were going to get rid of it. And um, I thought, wow, this is, this is really awful. But luckily, I managed to convince them to tanker it to me. So I was finally in possession of it. Um, the only problem was is that, uh, well, it wasn't a problem, but then Asahi bought Darkstar and Fuller's and everything else. So lots of buyouts, lots of all this sort of stuff happening. Um, uh, but then I, so I had it, I had, I had it, I finally had this thing. By this point, the prize old ale had gone up from 9% to 11%. Um, and uh, yeah, they, I then terrified Asahi by demanding 15,000 pounds from them for a wooden, a wooden vat from Austria. So I wanted to make sure, I wanted to try and add value to this ridiculous plan of mine to try and get this beer released. Um, and they were terrified. They were so terrified at that request, they didn't let me brew it for two years until I managed to convince them to, um, that I would just brew it normally and mature it in, in stainless steel and we wouldn't need 15,000 um, pounds. So here's the, new, here's the new branding. Well, yeah, they might change it, I don't know, but this, you know, look, they've got the font and they've got the barrel in space because we had a space theme. I mean, it's quite, quite good. I mean, the planet looks a bit like sick, but, you know, it's okay, it's okay as long as you don't look too closely. Um, so, yeah, so then April of 2022, um, I managed to brew a batch of it. So we brewed 4,000 uh, litres, 40 hex, uh, with Gale's yeast. The Gale's yeast came down in eight 25-litre drums, um, which got really hot in transit. So when I opened them up, I got covered, which was, which was fun. Um, so we used that 1989 recipe. Um, and it really, uh, and loads of um, invert sugar was my change from glucose. I got told off on Twitter for using invert rather than glucose, um, which was fine. Um, and then, yeah, and then it fermented really fast. Um, you know, it was, we had to oxygenate the wort, obviously, which, and um, yeah, and then, and then it sort of fermented fine, really, really rapidly. Um, and then I left it about six weeks before I was brave enough to blend in the original stuff with what I had made, that version. That really felt like sacrilege. 
I mean, you don't really get an opportunity to brew, to blend with something or brew with something that's that old, you know, and it was, and with that historical legacy, all those bugs and everything that had come from the 1920s. So yeah, I put it off for a long time. It became like Schrodinger's beer to me. I was like, it's fine. If I don't, if I don't taste it or anything, it's not infected. Um, but I did, in, in May, after six weeks, I did blend them together. Um, and uh, yeah, and then, and then um, we left it for about six months. Um, and then we, I bottled it by hand and hand waxed it and all this sort of stuff. Um, but unfortunately, uh, yeah, so we, 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 and then we did, uh, we launched it in Brighton and in, in the Hart pub in London. Uh, and then unfortunately the next week, Asahi told us that they were shutting Darkstar and we were going to be made redundant. So I was a real, um, I was a real, what's the word, you know, uh, one day you're cock of the walk, next you're a feather duster. Hubris. I'd reached my greatest point and I was, it's a Greek tragedy, Shakespearean. Um, so, yeah, so unfortunately them telling us the next week meant that uh, the amount we could actually release was, um, was diminished. So there's about 30, there was about 35 hectolitres left. Um, one of my last things was actually putting it in a tanker to say goodbye to it, so I'd welcomed it and sent it back off again. Um, and I believe that meantime we're going to release their own uh, version at some point this year, so good luck to them. Um, but, yeah, and then as for me, I'm, I'm currently unemployed, but here's my little project... Here's some, uh, some branding, and it's called Sunken Nave. So hopefully uh, I, can, I can do something. And uh, the idea is to sort of focus on classic English styles and things like that. But uh, location is to be decided. Financing is to be decided. So, you know, anybody knows anybody. Um, thank you. I hope, was that 20 minutes? I've, got, I've lost all track of time. Thank you. Brewers Journal Podcast is a production of Reby Media. Produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And special thanks to Henry Kirk and also to Wiper and True for hosting. Music